see all of you. You good? Yes. All right. Smiles. I trust you. All right. The Lord is doing a, a really good thing. And when there is a, a move of God that is sustainable, that's a long-term move of God, the swell of it, like picture waves. How many of you have ever been in the ocean and watched the waves roll in? How many body surfed or surfed or just made sandcastles on the, on the beach? Have you ever just sat and watched how the waves roll in? Like how they build? There's this swell that comes up. And you can, if you watch, you can really tell when there's going to be a really big wave. It's usually, you know, there's, there's like a pattern to it. And you'll see the, the way, when, the, when the tide rolls back out, it creates this, this dip in the water, and then this next wave comes in. It's going, to be, it's going to seem bigger than the others because of the swell and the way that it builds. And what I'm seeing is that there is a, a move of God that's happening here, and I'm just going to keep declaring it because I, I truly see it in my spirit, and I, I see it in fruit that's happening in people's lives. And it's, it's a move of God that has this deep building swell, it's, 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 it's like, it almost feels really slow, almost like, oh, it's not going to fully develop. It's, it's almost like, you know, how long is this going to take? And I felt like the Lord say, the, 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 the move of gods that are sustained, that last legacies, aren't a flash in the pan. They're not this giant wave that just erupts on the scene. Yeah, that can happen. But typically what we've seen through history is that a revival builds through generations and it builds through, through the, uh, the age groups and it builds through time. And then it hits into this moment of great fruitfulness and revival. And the, the revivals that last the longest and see the most fruit have that big buildup to it, that, that expectation of God's doing something over a long period of time. And I feel like we're in that right now. I feel like we've been in that. And... And I don't, and I, I know we see signs and we see breakthroughs and testimonies, but it's not what you would say, oh yeah, we're definitely in revival because of this thing or that thing. It's just this deep calling to deep inside of us that he's, he's building something. How many, who else feels that in your heart? Like there's a, something building and building and I don't want to rush it and I don't want to be frustrated with it. I want to just go where the Lord wants us to go and where he has us today and, and Shagun went right into it. There is a pulling down of idols in our life that's happening right now. It's not something that just happened. It's, it's something that's been happening. And last, last Sunday, there was that moment after worship, much like this morning, where it was a repentance time. It was a purification time, a washing of the word, uh, a pulling down of idols and strongholds and making covenants with God. How many remember the covenant you made with God last week in that moment? I told before service, I, I was sharing that I've been rehearsing that moment over and over in my mind all week. And it's become how I enter into my prayer time this week. God, I remember the covenant that I made with you. I remember the things I said to you. I remember the things I promised you. My vow, I will keep my vow. I will keep my vow to you. Let me feel that still. I'm going to keep my vow to you. And, and I feel like the Lord's requiring something from us that... <sighs> So let me use this example. So when we, when we bought our new house, the first things that we did, the money that we spent, they were, it's all right, it's good, hey. Um, we spent on things that no one would see. 
Like we, we did some things and we repaired some things and we took care of some things that no one would even know it was taken care of. So it wasn't flashy. It wasn't like this beautiful new dining table or like we, we felt like it was really important for us to do these long-term hidden things that no one's going to see. And we did those things. And I feel like that's what the Lord's asking for us to do right now, that he's asking us to dig really deep into the things that maybe not outwardly expressing how great your relationship with God is, or maybe it's not going to flash, but it's going to build that deep swell revival that's going to happen in your life. And he's been doing that the last few weeks, and he's, he's going to continue to do it. There is a cost that's required to follow Jesus. The days of the free gospel, the days of living in a country where it's easy to be a Christian, where like it's, it's a Christian culture. I mean, everyone knows the story of David and Goliath. No, not everyone knows the story of David and Goliath. Not everyone knows the story of, of Saul becoming Paul. Not everyone knows the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Like, we're not in a culture that knows the word of God anymore. So the days of, oh yeah, it's, it's just easy. We're, like we're America, we're gonna be a Christian nation. It's easy to be a Christian. Like it's free, it's all free. The, the days of that are over. It's going to cost us something to be a follower of Christ. It is. Yeah. And honestly, nothing better could happen than that. Because if it doesn't cost anything to be something, then it's not worth anything. But to follow Jesus, it really costs something because it's the most valuable relationship, the most valuable thing we could tie into in our lives. So it should cost us something. If I look back in the history of my relationship with God, even in the, the even very near past, and it didn't cost me anything, then I need to make a new altar for the Lord. And I need to offer a sacrifice. Are you hearing me? I need to to give something to him as an offering. What did David say? Like he was the king. He could have any piece of land he wanted and anyone would have been happy to give it to him. I mean, they could brag to all their friends. Hey, you know that, that well that I used to own? I gave it to the king. Me and him are buddies now. Like it, was a, it would have been easy for David to do that. But David said, I cannot give God an offering that didn't cost me something. I can't offer God worship that didn't require something on my end. He's worth it. And we're at that place right now. And we're at a, at a place where he's asking for us to decide and to choose what we're willing to pay to follow him. Now, I don't believe that it requires those things to be a believer, but I think it requires those things to be a follower. It doesn't cost anything to believe in Jesus. It's like, yeah, I believe in him. Man. You're safe. Great. Now it's going to cost you something to walk with him. And if it doesn't cost, and I, and I feel something shifted in me, and I, I, I told my kids, like, the, the, lion, the lion that's in me is going to come out. I'm, I'm not going back. Like, I have to, I was born for this time. You were born for this time. Yeah. And the weak platitudes of Christianity and the weak platitudes of, oh, it's easy to follow Jesus. It doesn't require anything. Those, those don't work. They are not going to work. The pressures of the, of the darkness of this age and the spiritual wickedness that is in high places is too much for weak Christianity. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Come on. So let's do, let's go, let's go. Revelation 2, 
So he sent these, these messages to seven churches, to the angels of the seven churches. And so this is a, the Revelation 2, verse 1. This is to the church of Ephesus. You all would know this. Like This is one of the most commonly like, known scriptures and prophecies and words of, of, of correction in the word of God that we've heard in our whole lives. If you've been a believer, you've heard this. He said, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, I write this. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand, the right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And then he tells him, he says, he's giving him feedback. He's giving them information. He says, I know your works. Everyone say, I know your works. works. Your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. So he's bragging on them. You've done really well here. I know your works. He even said, I know your patience and that you cannot stand evil and that you have tested those who say they're apostles and they're not and you have found them to be liars. He's like, you stand up for righteousness. You're doing awesome in this area. Good for you. You have persevered. Come on. And you have patience and you have labored for my name's sake and you have not become weary. What a great, oh, I think they would have been happy if the letter ended there, right? We're doing really well. We're, we, we do our works. We labor. All right? Then he keeps going. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Yeah. Come on. Like, all of that is great. But it doesn't matter if you're not where you were when we first fell in love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, do the first works, do the things you did at first, another translation says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. These were people that were sowing false doctrines and this church in Ephesus stood against them. And I, I feel like that, that this could be said to us today. This could be said to the church today. You're standing against false doctrines. Good job. But he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And if you overcome, I will give to you and you will eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the presence of God, the paradise of God. And I want to just stop here. And I, I want to say this. This is a word for fire life today. This is a word for us. You, you've done well. You've persevered through hardship. We've been through a long, hard season. Now, I'm tired of talking about the long, hard season, so today we may just go out and bury the long, hard season in the backyard out here and leave it and never talk about it again. You, you've done well to persevere. You've done well to stand up against false apostles and false doctrines that have been spread throughout the church. You've been patient pursuing the Lord. You've been faithful. You love God. He's saying this to all of us. You love me. But there's one thing missing. Your burning passion for me has, has waned. And I want you to rekindle that burning passion. And I, that's what I feel the Lord saying to us today. I feel like if, if we could do anything personally for myself, and if I could do something for my family, and I could do something for my sons, and my grandsons and granddaughters to come in the future, it would be that their dad and their granddad loved God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, 
with all of his strength and that every decision he made was weighed in the balance of his love for God. Every decision that, that he stood for righteousness and weighed his love for God and his love for God always won in every situation. You know, Shagun was talking about idols and we've used the definition many times that an idol is anything I have to check with before I will say yes and obey God. It's time for us to put our love for God in a scale and it should win every single time. If I have a chance to compromise, my love for God, my burning love for God should drive compromise from my life. If I have a chance to do something with the highest and utmost integrity, my love for God should compel me into that decision instead of into a place of weakness and compromise. My love for God should compel me into a greater love for my wife and for my family. My love for God should affect the way that I do everything in my life from the way that I drive my car from the way that I treat my neighbors that, I, that have the sign of the other guy on it from the way that I treat people on, on social media that I don't even have to give an account for my relationship with them from the way that I handle my finances like Jesus said, man, wherever, how you handle your finances says a whole lot about how you, your relationship with me goes. Because where your treasure is is where your heart is. And if we're like the church in Ephesus and we have a heart issue, a burning heart issue, then I think finances is a great place to start. The way that we handle our finances is a great place to start. Do we steward our finances well? Because where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And if my heart is waning in my love for God, I'm going to start there. I'm just giving examples. Real life examples. Like it's so easy to drift in this world. Because everything, everything that we have in our modern culture is there to pull our attention. Every single thing in our life is to pull our attention. How many notifications do you get on your phone a day? How many bells ding on your phone to remind you of something? How many times do you op open a social media app and there's a list of flags or, or, or people that want to talk to you or said something about a picture that you might be interested in? Or, or how many times a day does this happen? The algorithms written for all of these technologies were written to pull your attention, to pull my attention. There is a documentary I would highly recommend you go watch. It's called The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It talks about the creators of this. They created it to, to figure out the best way to get your attention. They know there's only a certain amount of time in a day, and they, wanna, they want to command your attention. So they built these systems, these apps, these social media platforms, and the way that they use them is to pull our attention. It's so easy in the world we live in to have our attention pulled away from us. There's something that I'm specifically trying to do my best is if my stupid phone, my watch, I'm about to throw this watch or sell it or get, I'm just done with it dinging at me because it, you naturally just want, it dings, you just, oh, well, someone's in me too. And then before you know it, I have been distracted and I'm purpose, like, okay, if it dings, I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not a dog in some science experience where they ring the bell and I come to eat. Like, I'm not doing it. Like, do I do it all the time? No, I fail. But man, I'm, I'm going to fight the system that's there to distract me, not just from my relationship with God, my relationship with other people. 
How many of you have been with someone or you've been the person with someone and you've got that phone out? It's, it tears at the fabric of our relationships and that's the goal of it. We want your attention. Look at me, look at me. And everything in our world is to demand attention. We don't have a media anymore in our world. There's no truth in the media anymore. No side. It all is agenda-driven and clickbait-driven and wanting our attention. I think for the mental health of every one of us, we just turn all of it off. Defund the media is what we should put. Instead, you know, people want to be morons and defund the police. That doesn't work out very well. We want to defund the media. How about that? How do we defund them? We turn them off. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm hitting a lot of things here. The topic is first love. Nothing's going to pull my affection into something else. I shouldn't care more about a presidential election than I do about revival in America. I shouldn't care more about someone being office than I care about unborn children. I'm going to say it. I shouldn't. I shouldn't care about this, this party or that party. Like, my allegiance, we are citizens of heaven first. Period. And so if we could come back to our first love as a church, how beautiful will it be when this happens in the church and the world looks at us and we have rejected their system? And the world says, you know what? I'm not part of your system. (laughs) I threw it on the ground. (laughs) I'm not part of it. I am ejecting from the system. And they have no way to get to us. They don't own us. (laughs) What will it look like? Oh, man, I I see the picture of just that person that can't be manipulated. I mean, you know someone in your life, they're just so in control of their emotions. And they're just, anyone know anyone like that? They're so healthy. People try to manipulate them or pull them off sides or make them angry. And they just stay peaceful and happy. They're the best people to be around. That's what the church will look like when we cut the ties with all of the things that pull away our affections. The Bible says that we're in the world, but we are not of this world. We are aliens and strangers. You know, it's time for us as the church to not care what, what it looks like to be a believer. Oh, you're anti-science. No, I just believe God. Well, you're anti this. Nope, I, I just love God. Well, you're, you're anti this. You're a bigot here. No, I, you can label me anything you want to. It doesn't, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. What happens when the church burns for Jesus so that no other voice even draws our attention away? Like... <laughs> It's, it's a reactive lifestyle we've been living. Reactive. Oh, a problem pops up, I react to the problem. Oh, someone says something that I don't agree with, I'm gonna react to what they have to say. Like, it's a reactive lifestyle and we're not in control of ourselves. We are absolutely not in control. And the Bible says for us to have self-control. Everyone say self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control. And I say this all the time. This is, this is how I think of it. It's not God control. It's not Holy Spirit control. It's not Jesus control. It's self-control. It requires work on my part to control myself. 
It requires me. I have to come to the table and show up to be in control of myself. And I hear the Lord saying to us like he did at Ephesus, you're doing so well, you've persevered, you've gone through so many hard things. Other people would have quit. He could have said that. Other people would have quit by now. Other people would have gone to greener, better pastures by now. But you stayed and you had patience and perseverance and it was beautiful. But in the middle of that, you stopped burning for me. Don't stop those things, but burn for me again. How many feel God pulling you into burning for him again? It's like Song of Solomon, chapter three, verse four. It basically says, I found the one whom my heart loves. I found the one whom my heart loves. He's Jesus. He's so beautiful. Like everyone, like Bill says this, everyone wants a king like Jesus. Everyone really does. But we are in this, there are, some, sometime soon I'm gonna really teach on this. I haven't, I've studied it for months. I haven't really talked a whole lot about it, but I've, I've used the term that's in the Bible, the spiritual wickedness in high places. And basically what that means is there are, there are people and organizations in high places that have agendas and things that they care about and it looks humanitarian, but it comes from an evil source. They don't even know it. It sounds righteous, it sounds pure, it sounds all great, but there's a monster behind it. And whenever people in high places that are driven by this spiritual wickedness, when they get their way or when they win something, it feels like I'm justified. It feels like, oh yeah, it feels really good. And so it feels spiritual. How many have heard people say, I'm not religious, I'm a spiritual person. Be careful, people like that. I'm not religious, I'm just a spiritual being. It's dangerous. It's really dangerous in the way that they mean that. And, and there, is, there, is, there are things going on in the second heaven. You know, there are, there are three heavens. There's the heaven right here we live in. There's the second heaven where there's angels and, and things that are principalities. And then there's the third heaven where Jesus is and where we're supposed to be seated with him. And there, the war is taking place in the invisible realm. And, and, and you know, this isn't chaos. This isn't, this isn't crazy talk. This is truth. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And, and what we're feeling right now in the atmosphere is this war for our affection and for our attention and who gets to sit in those gates. And you and I as the church have to step up and the way we step up is we love God better. We really do. Do we cultivate our love for God in our homes? Do we stir it up inside of our own heart? Do we feed ourselves things that make us want more of God or do we feed ourselves with things that pull us away from God? Like it's really, that's where we're at right now. And I love the idea that Shagun says, but we're gonna pull down altars and high places that were, that were built to idols. We're gonna destroy them, we're gonna tear them down and we're gonna bring sacrifices to God. And God is always gonna bring a fire that falls on that sacrifice, always. It pleases him when we turn our heart toward him. And so my prayer for, for you today, here or watching, is that your heart will be turned to the Lord. 
See, when my heart is turned to something else, I'm giving my attention to that thing. I'm saying you have value. You're esteemed. I'm actually worshiping you. But when God has my attention and I turn to the Lord, it's called repentance. It's turning to the Lord. And when I repent, the Bible says that that he will heal our land. He will forgive our sins. Amazing things happen when we turn to the Lord. And we're in that moment right now. But it has to look like something. I'm going to close with this. Like, what we're talking about today has to have fruit to it. It has to have something tangible. It has to have meat on the bones. It can't be free. It's got to cost us something. You know what I love about God? There are things he requires from us. How many know that's true? God requires things from us. But then there are things where he lets us choose what we offer to him. Amen? Amen. You remember Zacchaeus? He was stealing from everyone. He was a tax collector. And when he met Jesus, he wanted to be born again. And Jesus came and hung out with him. And Zacchaeus turned his heart toward Jesus. Jesus didn't say, all right, here's what you got to do now. Here's a list of everything you need to do to actually be right with me. No, Zacchaeus' heart turned toward Jesus and his heart was made right. And guess what Zacchaeus decided to do? Hey, I'm going to repay everyone I did wrong. I'm not just going to repay them. I'm going to pay them. I think it was double or triple. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was more than what I stole from them. I'm going to pay them back. Jesus didn't tell him to do that. He did that from a heart of repentance. It was a sacrifice to God. And there are things like that all through the scripture. There are things that God requires of us. And then the moment we're right with him, then there's an offering that comes from the overflow of that moment that we get to decide. That's what I'm talking about today. We can repent, but now what what are you going to offer the Lord going forward? What boundary are you going to set? What altar are you going to build for him to put a sacrifice on? That's where we're at. I'm sure over the next few weeks and years, the church is going to, we're going to have to get back in the gym and build our muscle up. We're just going to have to. We've gotten very bloated on blessing and favor and easy going. And, and it's time for us to strengthen our backbones a little bit, iron to enter into our souls. And that's where we're at. And if there's just something off right now in your life, you're like, man, I can't put my finger on it. Like, I feel great here, I feel great here, but there's just this thing. It's just missing. Or there's this gnawing, this numb place. There's this place that if I think about it, I, get, I don't have hope. The cure to that is to come back to your first love and to burn for him. I know this to be true. Would you stand? We're just gonna close things out here in just a moment. I've been listening to that song, Kyle, saying the lines from last week that I shall not want, I shall not want, when I taste your goodness, I shall not want. I've been listening to that song over and over and over all week, and I feel that right now, that God wants you and I to taste and see that he is good, and that we will not want for anything else in life. Nothing else will draw our attentions or our affections away. So Father, we come to you now, and we know that what you're saying to Ephesus applies to us. 
what you said there, it hits home with me today, hits home with us as a church. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will begin to convict us. If there are places in us that have been pulled away from you, I ask that you would draw us back to you. Draw us with your loving kindness. Draw us with the conviction fire of your Holy Spirit. At all costs, bring us back to our first love. We pull down powers and principalities right now. We pull down high things and lofty thoughts and ideas that are set up against you as enemies to you, as opposition to you. God, if I have believed anything, if, if there is a value that I hold in my heart and my mind that is opposing you, I give you permission to burn it out of me right now. Replace the lie with the truth. Search us, Holy Spirit. See if there's any wicked thing in me. God, is there spiritual wickedness in my life? Areas where I think I'm spiritual and, and holy, but it's humanistic, it's self serving, self righteous. God, if that's the case, cleanse us with your blood. Wash us white as snow. Remove all impurity from our lives. Drive out the enemy who has sown lies inside of the perfect story you've written in our heart. So I want to ask before uh, Hank and Ashley come close, I want to ask, did you make a covenant with God last week? Yeah. How many made a covenant? A vow before the Lord. If you have not done that, you need to do that. That is top priority. It's more important than what you do for lunch after. It's more important than whatever's going on the rest of the day. Like God is asking for us to be a pure and holy people without spot, without wrinkle, are people sold out to him. They have no allegiance to other things. You know why people have worried about politicians? Because their allegiances are in a lot of places, which means you can easily be manipulated and pulled in different directions. And that same spirit has crept into the church where we've, our allegiances have been pulled and it's easy for us to be divided and pulled away from him. But God is calling us back to our first love. Come on. Would you put your hands over your heart? Father, I ask that the refiner's fire would come inside of my life and burn out all the impurities. Sweep away the dross and the waste that's in my life. 
Drive out every impurity. Turn the fire up. Come on. Purify my heart. I pray what David prayed. Give me a clean and a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. Won't we say, let's all say this together. As Hank and Ashley come up. Father, give me a clean and a pure heart. Renew a right spirit within me. (laughs) Cast me not away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and grant me a sustaining spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's good. It's so good. I, I feel like what God's doing is, is, is pulling something, uh, or just laying something in front of you, <laughs> just laying it down in front of you and, and inviting you. It's, it's this one thing. It could be an action. It could be a, an inaction to stop something. Um, and um, I don't know. I just, there's something that's going on inside of each one of you that is, it's, 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 it seems simple, but it will cost you. <laughs> it will cost you. Um, I, I just, that, yeah, that verse out of Revelation 2, I mean, you've, you've abandoned your first love. You know, it, it, that's, a, that's a heavy hitter because Ephesus, was the church. That was the revival center. <laughs> they just exploded with revival. I think like I think greater than uh, Azusa Street, you know, kind of revival kind of stuff. And Jesus himself saying, you've, you've abandoned your first love. And so I imagine, you know, having a table full of stuff of life that we put on there and just just wiping it off and then just placing Jesus right in the center. And, and, and I love that because he offers, you can overcome. You can overcome this. It's not this despair of, oh my gosh, I've hurt him. It's like, no, come. You, have, you, you can overcome. Um, I, I weirdly am reminded of a, of a picture uh, that I love of, of Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> uh, he was uh, president in the early 1900s, or ni- 1900 actually. Um, and he's riding a moose. Going through water. It's actually a fabricated picture, but it's it's. But I wouldn't put it past the guy to have ridden a moose through water. And I don't know why I'm, I just popped in my head, but he he didn't start like that. And the the, the guy was, I guess, the most masculine, manliest manliest man I think in the 1900s probably. And and he he was a spoiled rich kid out of New York who had a bunch of asthma, who was a, he was a, he was a homeschool kid, kind of a nerd, uh, uh, you know, just, just, I mean, and then he goes to the point, again, I, I choose to believe it's real. He, the guy wrote a moose <laughs> and you're like, the mooses can, mooses, sorry, meese, moose. <laughs> they can kill you. They can, they're incredibly dangerous. And, and, and so what happened is he made a choice in his life to actually grab that thing that was put before him to begin to choose a lifestyle that is this, this vibrant pursuit of life. And, and Jesus is putting that one thing right now in front of you. He's putting that one thing in front of you. It could be as simple as just turning off your phone or it could be a bigger, like choosing a different career. It could be 
moving somewhere. It could be making a relationship with someone you've always wanted to have a relationship with, but like it, it could be something, uh, it, it is there in front of you, but it is, there's a burning desire for Jesus Christ that is, we know is there, we know it's attainable. And I'm so tired of Monday robbing it from me. I'm so tired of, of waking up Monday and completely being oblivious to what just happened today, you know, to, to uh, forget our first love. And so uh, I want to invite you guys. I want to invite you to, to grab it, to run for with it. I mean, if, if you don't know what that thing is in front of you, if you don't feel like there's something the Lord is inviting you to, it's time to fast and pray. It's time to go after Jesus. It's not... I'm not religious. I'm a follower of Jesus. Come on. Not spiritual. Yeah. I am a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Make it about Jesus again. And, and again, it's, it's the, the, the passion of the heart. You can't just turn it on a dime. It's like turning a train around. You just take that one step. You take that one next step like Teddy Roosevelt did. And one day you're riding a moose. Okay. One day you are burning passionately for the Lord. And it just is that next step. And again, I'm, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It just like, I, I, I'm just going to do that next step. I, I know I can't change my heart completely, but, but I can do that next thing. And all of a sudden you are that person who's burning with desire. So anyways, I want to invite you guys, uh, altar team, if y'all want to come up. If you need prayer on this at all, if you don't know, I mean, this is what the church is for, giving uh, 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 just prayer and prophetic words and help and insight. Um, and again, if, you're, if you don't know what the next step is, if you're just like, uh, I don't know, it is time to just clear that table off and make it about Jesus again and uh, ignite that first love. So, um, yeah, again, if y'all want to come up for prayer, let me just pray for you guys real quick. Just Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you'd ignite that, kindle the fire. If it is uh, a, a, a nice casual fire, just just throw some logs on. If it is uh, uh, embers that are about to go out, Lord, I pray, I declare, Lord, just the fire will begin to burn. Come, Lord Jesus. We choose that next step. We choose it. We choose that Monday does not rob us of the, of the, of the burning that we want for you, Lord. Come, Lord. Those on Facebook, if you're watching, choose it. Choose that one thing. Like, seek it with every ounce of your being. Like, just wherever you are, in a car, on, on, at, at, uh, at home, or whatever, choose that one thing. Jesus. And uh, so we want to invite you up. Come on up, guys. And uh, we'll be glad to pray for you. We love you guys. Uh, remember, he's, he's in us, uh, uh, for us. He's honest for others. Okay. We love you guys.